2: And Paul with me.
3: Hey, guys. Hello, hello.
2: I'm going to have Reverend Fox introduce the show topic tonight since Reverend Fox came up with a real juicy one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
4: Um, Okay, so today's topic is sexual satisfaction through communication or in parentheses, uh, how to get what you want by talking dirty. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. funny. Every time I say it, I love it. Um, so, (laughs) So... the idea was I want to talk about how to communicate with your partner in a healthy, functional way. And maybe each of us give examples of times in which saying the right words has made things a little bit more fun. And times in which communication has been important as well. Mm-hmm. I think that would be another really good important thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. There's been plenty of times where someone's called red, and if they hadn't called red, it would have been a bad night.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the things that I see so often in Temple, and... With a lot of couples I know, is that they don't communicate what they want. They just put up with what they're doing and kind of fall into these routines. And after a while, sex gets kind of routine.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I, I can kind of understand how. the, the vast majority of pe- well, the vast majority of people also don't quite understand that sex is supposed to be enjoyable for everyone involved. <laughs> 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 so. I think a lot of that actually does come from the taboos around sexual communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? You're know, you just supposed to enjoy what's going on there and not speak up. And I think that's kind of silly. If something doesn't work for you, if I can change it up.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure.
2: And also, I think it's partly due to that we don't get sex education. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it in general. And so it becomes very taboo to even talk to your partner about it.
4: Well, people like to talk about what they enjoy and what they know. And in a world where sex is shunned and sex education is rare, (laughs) it's hard for people to communicate about those kind of things, about the Mm -hmm. things that they enjoy, especially if they are something outside of the norm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of your thoughts about how to approach your partner for dirty talk? (laughs) And for sharing what you want and finding out what your partner wants.
4: I think, firstly, it's really important to have a partner you know and you love and you trust. Because if you don't trust the person you love, it's hard to talk to them. So, might want to start there. (laughs) But... When you do decide to approach your partner, think about it from their perspective. If you're really into this person and you really, really like it, how freaking wonderful would it be for them to come to you like, hey, I want you to fuck my brains out like A, B, and C. You'd love it. You'd enjoy it. So why have any kind of fear to return the favor or reciprocate that kind of language? Mm Mm-hmm. I think being direct, open, and honest is always the best way. Say mm-hmm. exactly what you want. Don't dance around it or try and use metaphors. Mm-hmm. No, go fucking explicit details. Because yeah. <laughs> that way you get exactly what you're looking for at the end as well. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there who when they do try to communicate something sexual, they try to use euphemisms or they try to like play coy or because it is so taboo, they're mm-hmm. shy about actually talking about it. Well, that can lead to you not getting specifically what it is you're trying to achieve. If what you're trying to achieve is something that's going to take time to communicate, take the time to communicate it so that Mm -hmm. you can actually get what you want. Wow, sorry.
1: (laughs) That's concise and long-winded. I'm sorry.
4: Oh, no, that's great.
3: I think one of the areas I've seen people make a lot of mistakes with communication about sex and about sexual things is I think that Sometimes when something isn't working for one of the partners, they're afraid that if they bring it up, that their partner's going to feel rejected or feel hurt. And it's not working, but they figure it's easier to deal with it than to maybe hurt their partner or offend their partner. And I think a lot of times those fears are unfounded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely.
4: It's one thing to be self-conscious about how your partner's performing in bed, and another thing to be neglectful of how your partner's performing in bed. Mm-hmm. Sex is communication. It's a two-way street. If your partner is mm-hmm. not doing well, um, it's not always that they're not doing well. It might also be that you haven't told them they're doing bad, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, if they're doing bad and they're mm-hmm. self-conscious about doing bad, Mm-hmm. Finding a way to get them to do it better will help with that confidence in the long run. Yes, possibly coming to your partner and being like, hey, man, you fucking suck at eating pussy. Like, <laughs> maybe don't go that hard on it. Maybe be like, hey, why don't you try this instead? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a very
3: hard confrontation. It can just be yeah. communication.
2: Yeah.
3: Another thing is instead of putting it in terms of this is something that you're bad at, remember that. People tend to do what's familiar with them, and maybe their last partner really liked it a certain way that you just don't particularly like it. No one should base the way they give a blowjob for their next partner based on how I like a blow job because I like lots of teeth. Yeah. You know, I, I like a very toothy blow job, which most guys don't. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, there's all kinds of situations like that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think of every vagina as a different safety combination lock. <laughs> like it's, it, there's, yeah, there's a rule of thumb of how to do it. But I mean, if you don't know the numbers and the right numbers to that specific fucking mm-hmm. safe, you're not going to get it. Um, uh, sure 32 to the right worked on every lock before that one but this one's 32 to the left so good luck buddy finding that going <laughs> to the right might be listen to the safe anyway <laughs> <laughs> sorry um but that's another thing that comes down to communication the way you find those things that you can carry on to every partner universal mm-hmm. sexual mm-hmm. skills is through finding out what works with each specific partner. Yeah. you know, Because one trick you learn on one person might work wonders on another person. Or it could be like the worst thing and they fucking hate it. It all depends on...
2: And one good exercise to do, which is a nonverbal form of communication, is to have your partner use your hands to masturbate themselves. And then you know the exact pressure and feel and where they like to be touched. And that can be very educational and very communicative.
4: Oh, one of my th- uh, sensation play things I've done with subs in the past is, all right, my hands are your hands, your hands are my hands. Where do they go?
2: <laughs>
4: uh-huh. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. But that kind of non-communicative, like, okay, this is what I like right here, right now, this exact mm-hmm. thing here, let me show you, is almost something you have to be intuitive with with a lot of partners. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to know how to read their physicality and understand when they're mm-hmm. pulling away. And But that comes from listening to them without listening to words. You know what yeah. I mean? If you listen to a person's body and how they're behaving and breathing mm-hmm. and everything, there's tons of little cues. You can tell what's safe and what's cool to go for and what's totally not cool. <laughs> if
1: mm-hmm.
4: somebody pulls away, sometimes that's not a no. Sometimes that's a yes. But there's also a version of pulling away that's 100% a no every time. <laughs> yeah. Knowing those subtle differences in your partner can make for better sexual communication, better sexual experience. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, I have a question for each of you. What's... Some of the more unusual things you've asked from your partner sexually.
4: Oh, okay. I'm gonna have to think on that because I've asked <laughs> a lot of shit. <laughs> uh,
2: me too.
3: <laughs> Some of the weird stuff I've asked about is in role play. I really like. I really like specific scenarios that are very specific. Like a lot of my fantasy is. I formed when I was hitchhiking and they kind of revolve around that. So instead of the normal, like, oh, you're my school teacher and I'm staying after school. For me, it's like, "Okay, so you're a waitress in the middle of nowhere and I come in and we've been chatting and you want to take me home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, shit, you don't have to be. I to have that fantasy. (laughs) Not to set
4: with a couple of great waitresses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, role plays, anything goes for me. If it's the right kind of, like, mindset. Like, depending on my partner. I've had partners ask for me to be certain things. I've asked for partners to be certain things. And every now and then it's like, oh, that doesn't do anything for me, but I'll do it for you, I guess. You know, (laughs) like, let's test those waters. For me, I don't know. There's been a lot of really weird, random, specific things that I can think of that, like, most... Normal grade A people aren't cool. Like I, I'm a huge exhibitionist, so like, mm-hmm. fuck me in front of a window, or like, let's go fucking a park. Mm-hmm. I fucked in a church before, you know, mm-hmm. like those kind of things. But all of those happened through like conversations with my partners, who were like, "Hey, do you like getting me fucked in public?" Oh, mm-hmm. me too. Cool, let's go do that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there's not any like specific ones I can think of off the top of my head.
2: This one an unusual request, but it was when I was around 17 I'd just come of age and it came on full (laughs) hilt and there's this cute guy and we kind of had a mutual attraction for each other and we got to talking about it and we talked about it and I said you know I'd love to suck your dick and have a sexual experience with you and he said yeah I'm kind of be into that and so we discussed it for several months before we finally did it. And what happened was I finally said, Look, we've either gotta s- decide we're not doing this or decide let's do it and do it soon. But to you're just making me crawl out of my skin with all this. <laughs> I'm getting too fucking horny. <laughs> And so we did the deed. And it turned out he was more bi-curious than really bisexual. But he also had a way of wanting to bring up things that would really get a reaction out of his parents. (laughs) And so I'd spent the night with him. We went down to breakfast. And in the middle of breakfast, he said, oh, by the way, Gigi and I sucked each other's dicks last night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just while
4: sitting there hanging out. Hey, Mom,
2: I mean, I just about fell on the floor.
4: (laughs) So one of my ex-girlfriends back in the day, um, she lived out in Cyprus and I wasn't driving at the time. So her parents would come pick me up. I didn't drive until I was 20, so I was probably like 17, 18 around this time. And her parents would come pick me up, and I'd go over to her place, and we would just fuck all day. That was all we would do. We wouldn't, like, come out for food. We would just fuck all day, fall asleep, wake up, fuck some more. And then her parents would drive me home. That was it. That was our whole relationship. And her mother was in a wheelchair. Her her mother was a a paraplegic. A very kind woman. Uh, Her dad was a very interesting, very stern British man who never said a word to me, (laughs) but picked me up all the damn time. It was the most (laughs) most awkward, silent car rides. Anyway... So one day I'm laying in her bed, no pants. She's gone off to take a shower uh, and I'm enjoying a cigarette, just laying in her bed, hanging out, having fun, waiting for her to come back essentially so we can have sex more. (laughs) And I hear a tap tap on the door and I said, who is it? And her mom rolled in and wasn't ready for that because I'm not, I'm naked under this blanket, you know, and her mom comes in. She puts her hand on my leg on top of the blanket and I'm expecting either like, Something awkward or something terrible, like get the fuck out of my house. You know, like something along those lines, because there's no way they can't hear us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But she goes, I want to tell you that ever since you've started fucking my daughter, she has been the nicest person. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. Just keep doing it. I'm like, okay. And then she rolled the fuck back out. My girlfriend came out of the shower and was like, so what was that all about? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I think your mom just told me to fuck you more. <laughs> so that was sexual communication between uh partner's parents and me. <laughs> uh, <yeah. Yes. laughs> that counts, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> She was actually one of the most openly honest sexual people ever. She would like one of her favorite things to do would be to roll over in the morning, put her face like right up into my ear and go, hey, can I suck your dick? (laughs) <laughs> and there's no way you can say no to that not. There's nothing in the world that No, I'm sorry, I would say yes It doesn't matter if there's a war outside And we just woke up to bombshells I'm gonna say yes
2: <laughs>
3: I mean, it could be your last blowjob at that point Exactly, I'm going say yes twice as fast mm-hmm. Might not get
4: another one of these Unless we find a bunker <laughs> In which case, bunker time Ooh, that'll be fun
3: <laughs> Bunker down Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bunker
2: up well, one thing I'd like to add in, and th- this kind of leads, even though it's early for station break, but uh, we do have the erotic body map, which is a great communication tool to kind of draw out your erogenous zones and where and how you like to be touched.
4: Specifically labeled, like A6, I'm really into that. So oh, I've
2: got symbols and color coding on it. And so you can kind of show your really hot zones, your warm-up zones, your those areas that really get you really hot and bothered and, ooh, it's so erect.
4: <laughs> That'd also be good for the spots that are like hard nose.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, And there's uh, we even have a symbol for ticklish areas. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, ticklish and can go either way, though, depending on y- the well, person. Well, and <laughs> if you like being ticklish... Yeah. tickled or not I've had boyfriends that like me to tie them up and tickle the crap out of them mm-hmm. I have a girl's that really love that just uh, they come like crazy when I do that
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just say I know my way around a feather oh, <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> but also I know that for me sex is in part energy and it's working with the body's energy And learning how to work with the breath work and circulate that sexual energy through the body can be very amazing. And, And that's one of the things I talk to my partners about is oftentimes I'll say, okay, I want you to breathe with me, take deep breaths, and we'll form that bonding and connection. And then that opens the door to greater trust and more communications. Stare into
4: each other's eyes. Oh, definitely. Do it. <laughs> Don't fucking blink. Just hold the other person by the back of the head and look at each other while you're doing
2: it. Yeah, or do it as a part of the forming a genital heart connection, where you look into each other's eyes, you breathe together, and you.
4: For that type of experience, you have to have that super deep feel i don't know how else to describe it but like a pull in the Mm -hmm. center of your chest at each other that you can feel at any distance oh yeah getting into that state that headspace of that deep breathing that heavy we are both right here right now kind of feeling uh is the most rewarding form of sex in my opinion Mm -hmm. uh that's that's like the goal (laughs) if you can get to that point that's when it's great and that's when it's it's most powerful and most beautiful um that being said, not every single time you have sex can, has to be that. <laughs> sometimes it could just be fun and naughty. <laughs> you don't need to bond mm-hmm. souls. You just need to fill holes. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes
3: it's in the middle. Yeah. I
4: think it comes down to finding where those common grounds are sexually. And the more common grounds you have, the closer you can get to that space. Oh, yeah. The deeper that those, pla- those shared connections are the more you can explore that territory and those kind of feelings with your partner. But it comes from being able to be open and honest and talk about, like, what can get you there.
2: Oh, yeah. And I know for me, I remember I had a girlfriend once, and she kind of put it to me in a real challenging kind of way. She said, I bet I can suck your toes so good it'll make your dick twice as hard. There you go. Challenge accepted. (laughs) I said, okay, go for it. (laughs) I mean, it was incredible. She started going down. I mean, she first lightly licked my big toe with her tongue, just went tracing all around it, and then she pressed her lips on the pad of my toe and started breathing hot air on it and moistened it up. And then she very slowly pulled my toe into her mouth and flicked it with her tongue and just played around with it. I mean, it was one of the hottest toe suckings I've ever had. I was getting into the detailed description. Like, yeah, tell me. Like, I'm not even into feet and this is great. (laughs) And then she started sucking and, I mean, really going down on it. And I mean, in and out, and oh!
4: I'm sorry, my feet are disgusting. I would feel so bad for somebody else. Oh, I have washed and
2: clean feet, of course.
4: <laughs> that was just making me think of uh, um, back in my Rocky Horror stomping days. Uh, there was one of my favorite things to do was to find a cute girl, um, and uh, just see how far. They were willing to go with my cute and drudgenous but because I was wearing full makeup and m- loud, wonderful clothing uh, in those days. And there was one girl uh, who was very, very cute, and I would offer girls a seat. The only one that I saw that was fit was always my lap, so I offered her a seat. She <laughs> immediately sat down and was like, I'm about it, let's go, what's going on? And we started banking out in the theater, then whenever the show was done, her, me, and her friends were all standing outside of River Oaks. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I bet you I can make you come without taking any of your clothes off or fuck it. I bet you I can make you come right now kind of thing. And she said, fine, go. And uh, we're standing right up against one of the movie poster walls. And we had already been talking about what kind of things she enjoyed and what kind of stuff she had liked while we were like sitting in the theater. Like, okay, so what are you into? I know you're into this, but what else? (laughs) Yeah. so. She had a biting fetish. I have natural fangs, just from fucking my face up as a kid. <laughs> um, so I'm wonderful with biting, and biting is a sensation. Sensation plays my main bread and butter. She likes binding and wrists and things along those lines. I'm like, okay. So I push her up against the wall. I put both of her wrists above her head. I went for a bite on the neck, but I started very, very soft, very gentle. It's mm. just barely the tips, the nape of my fang yeah. on her neck. And I traced my tooth from her nape all the way back to behind her ear.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs>
4: and I went for a deep, deep good bite. Just a good chomp. Just a nice one. And I'm particularly fond of doing that kind of specific, like, okay, here's where it comes, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> just get it. And she goes. She just starts. She's into it, and I can tell. And she's throbbing and vibrating and just breathing (laughs) in just the right way and I stop right when I feel her start to pull and start to climax and feel herself oh fuck I wasn't expecting that to be that good kind of tense and I stop and I go right up to her ear and I go melt and I let her wrist go and I let her drop (laughs) (laughs) that girl was a puddle for a minute straight after (laughs) she was like I don't know what the fuck just happened to me that was perfect (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: and some scenes can be so unexpected and just so amazing oh yes
4: (laughs) she came back a couple times after that
2: (laughs) (laughs) well paul what kind of experiences have you had with communicating with partners that were really exceptional experiences
3: well for me a lot of a lot of my success with communication has come from understanding understanding how relationship dy- dynamics work. Being polyamorous, communication is one of the most important parts of being poly. And I remember the first poly relationship I had. We had a lot of poly friends at the time who had been poly for years, but we became, me, Diana, and Forrest became kind of people that people would ask advice of because our relationship worked very well because we all communicated very well. I started spending a lot of time on the internet on polyamorous advice web boards and things like that. And I had spent years on those web boards before I ever got in a poly relationship. And just reading about the pitfalls that other poly people had fallen victim to. And it always came down to need to communicate and understand things. So when she started dating... Forrest, I would have lots of good conversations with him, and we would would kind of work together to figure out how best to approach the relationship and to make it work really well. And what was really great for me is there were a lot of things that I desperately wanted to give Diana that I just wasn't very well equipped to do. But Forrest was good at things that I wasn't good at. And being able to see him fulfill her really, really made me very happy. I had such a strong feeling of compersion. And the fact that Diana could see how happy that made me, it made her a lot less jealous when I started you know, hitting on people and having one-night stands and having sex with other people. And because I had been so supportive of her when it came to have my time in the sun, she was able to be very supportive of me and very... And, you know, she also became a pretty good wingman for me. She got me laid a lot. Thanks. That's the right mm-hmm. kind of girlfriend.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. And I think one of the things that has worked well for me is just asking for what I want right out. Mm -hmm. And But I often will not do it in a shocking way. Sometimes I do. Oh, yeah, same. I mean, I (laughs) want... Every now and then it's fun (laughs) to just throw it out there, like, boom, do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But there's also, for a lot of people, they want to kind of be a little more gentle. And so oftentimes I'll have them get a movie or a video of something that I'm kind of interested in exploring and say, why don't we watch this? And and that can help facilitate more communication without just the direct approach. <laughs>
4: I think uh, also going the reciprocative method, like uh, asking for something in specific your partner is curious about and yeah. doing. Like, hey, I'm curious about exploring this. If you have something you're curious about exploring, mm-hmm. why don't we do tip for a tat tonight? And I think that works really good. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but also, I like doing the videos, especially if you get some really good ones. Like, I've got a whole collection of Tantric Sex and Dallas, genital massage and showing that to people gives some whole new techniques and different ways to stimulate the genitals and it's a great way to really learn more about the genitals the cock and the vulva and how to stimulate it and some of the pressure points to really work with and techniques to help warm it up and awaken the kundalini and so providing some of these educational materials can be a good way if to kind of introduce an idea and explore it with a partner in a safe way.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: I think also possibly depending on what it is you're trying to approach together, there may or may not be a community already based around that. Mm -hmm. So showing your partner that it's not taboo and weird, that there are other people doing it too, Mm -hmm. can also help ease them into that idea.
2: Well, I also have curl queens bend over boyfriend one and two. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Where girls use strap-ons and fuck their boyfriends up the ass. Not
4: enough straight dudes realize that pegging is totally normal. Like, there's so many dudes that like pegging. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: and it doesn't mean you're queer if your girlfriend infects you with a dildo. It means you like
3: stuff in your butt. That's fine. Tons <laughs> of people like stuff in their butt. So all guys have a prostate. and yeah, it, 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 it feels button, good. It feels great.
2: And the prostate produces a much a more amazing orgasm. More intense. Because the prostate, the nerve from the prostate goes to the higher brain centers And near the emotional center. And so prostate orgasms can be very emotional. It might make you giggle, Mm -hmm. laugh, cry. Mm -hmm. All kinds of emotions will come up through prostate stimulation. And it can be an amazing different kind of orgasm.
4: And the traditional straight guy would be normally afraid to ask for those kind of things. You know, anything involving anal play is shunned by straight dudes just because of the social taboos of butt stuff. Oh, yeah. And no, I mean, uh, if it's something that feels right for you, regardless of the context, it doesn't mean anything about you as a greater person or anything like that. It just means you like things in your butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's the only thing it means. And is believe it that, that feels it or not. good for you. And great, cool. You should do the things that feel good for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if your partner's cool with doing that as well, congratulations. Guess mm-hmm. what? Those are the only people that really need to be bothered by it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and... I've got even uh, tantric and Taoist videos on anal massage, mm-hmm. both outer anal massage and then inside anal massage for both men and women. And that can be an incredible experience if you've never received an anal massage. It is oh, so delicious. <laughs> and
3: one of the things I've found with communication that's really nice is you know you don't have to be with a person to ask them specific things like a a, a lot of times um, when I'm at festivals or things like that I've found that you know if I Want to cuddle just asking, like, hey, are you know, would you be interested in cuddling with me? And you get a yes more often than you think.
4: <laughs> so, I've had sex with lesbians on a couple of occasions, and mm-hmm. the only reason it has ever happened, I shit you not, is because a lesbian has asked me, hey, do you want to have sex? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just like that, not yeah. like nothing else, just like, hey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that's the best method to go about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, 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 When you and I most recently Mm -hmm. started hanging out, I love the fact that you – the way you approached me was Mm -hmm. that you straight up told me, I think I'm uh, – I find you attractive and I want to see where that goes or something along those Mm -hmm. lines. Like you were very straightforward about Mm -hmm. what you were looking for and what your intentions were. Mm -hmm. And even though I turned you down, I thought it was very Mm – Effective, mm-hmm. like if someone I wanted to do stuff with had approached me just like that, mm-hmm. I would have said yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, because mm-hmm. it was such an effective method of communication for what mm-hmm. you wanted. You know. Oh yeah,
3: and also I, that night, I I also told you you don't necessarily need to do anything with that information. Yeah, that, that was the other part of it. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah,
4: like the the fact that you acknowledge that what you are asking for is not necessarily everyone's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an important thing to acknowledge for people. Like, hey, I'm into this. You might not be into this. If you're into this as well, let's see where that goes.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're at station break time. We'll return to this in a minute. I would like to remind people to visit our website at ravenslayerleather.com. We have training videos on a variety of Topics everything from BDSM to uh, living a more sex positive lifestyle and learning how to feel more beautiful. We've got body image healing video trainings, we've got a whole slew of training materials. And I know, especially well, even men, but especially for a lot of women. They don't feel beautiful because they don't measure up to the Hollywood Hollywood version of beauty. And, you know, I can't tell you how many eating disorders are a result of that. Yeah. People want to be, like, super thin, and and it's like, that's just not healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After a certain age around late 20s, early 30s, everybody gets a little bit of a pooch in the (laughs) belly. (laughs) Uh, That's
4: how humans work, guys. Yeah, (laughs) it's
2: a human condition. And to try to diet to get rid of that would be like trying to diet to reduce your breast size. It's not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen through diet. (laughs) But also being part of the pagan community has given me such insights. And so I built the Body Image Healing Program to redefine what true beauty really is and how to become the best you you can be, sexy and beautiful. So there are all all kinds of training programs on the website. And also, I have to do the plug for our Patreon page. Uh, if you like this show, you get something out of it, consider pledging a dollar a month or uh, five dollars a month. We day would day. really welcome some financial support for this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, back to our topic. Unless y'all have s- you all have another plug, Paul.
3: Mm, not that I can think of right now. Not that I can think of right now.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, I would like to say one last thing is that I am studying to become a s- certified sex coach. And once I do, I will be taking on clients to work with them if they have any sexual inju- issues. And of course, it's all confidential. And I'm learning new skills and techniques to help improve your sex life, and help you achieve your goals. So I'm working very hard and diligently on my studies so that I can reach out and help people have a better sex life and live Mm -hmm. a more sex-positive sex life. (laughs)
3: Mm
2: -hmm. So back to our discussion. Where were we? Oh, yeah.
4: Communication. Communication.
2: Communication. Mm-hmm. And it is so key to really enjoying and getting what you want. And and sometimes it's like, I remember my, I had a roommate before I met my wife. And she, you know, I, I've always dressed kind of, uh, especially when I was living in Montrose, i dressed very androgynously. Mm-hmm. And I wore skirt as much as pants. I wore nice, blousy tops. and uh, But I didn't uh, wear falsies, and I didn't tuck my penis away, so I had all the wrong pokey parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I met my partner and asked her out for a date. And on my first date, my roommate goes, I was dressed up in my leather skirt and leather top, and I I had a Honda 750 motorcycle. I was going to pick her up on that Mm -hmm. and an extra helmet. And we went to House of Guys or House of Pies (laughs) (laughs) and Mantras for our date. And my roommate at the time said, You're not going like that, are you? I said, Why not? She said, You're going to scare her away. (laughs) I said if I do then it's good to know (laughs) Uh, if not then that's even better to know (laughs) I'd like to know if she really accepts me as who and what I am Mm -hmm. and she took to me like a duck to water I mean she loved it (laughs) she loved my outfit she loved everything and then she found out I was into BDSM and that was really uh, eye opener for her. And she goes, "Wow, turns out she's not as much into it, but she's very supportive of it." Mm-hmm. And so it's you never know where things will go if you just mm-hmm. take that courage and decide, "Okay, I'm gonna be who I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna be authentic." Mm-hmm. And being authentic sexually is really a an amazing process. It's freeing. Oh yeah! It's so liberating mm-hmm. to be your th- authentic sexual self.
3: What what I found really interesting is I got better at uh, at communicating clearly with people is that I realized that before I started, you know radical, uh, you know, radical honesty and radical communication, I realized I made things way more complex than I needed to, you know, trying to gauge how the other person feels, trying to gauge what's okay and what's not okay, trying to gauge when to make the right move. Uh, but when I started communicating clearly it became real easy oh yeah you know and it it shocked me how much easier things can be when you're just honest and just you know let your needs be known let your desires be known and you know Instead of, like, sitting there during a day being like, I don't know, how how do they feel about me? Like, I think they kind of like me. You can be like, hey, so how is this going so far? Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be any harder than that.
4: Mm-hmm. Just a checkup. Well, mm-hmm. every now and then that's more than enough. And if you can incorporate it into whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. that makes it even more fun. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Uh, And that can make it more effective, too. Like, whatever you're doing can be enhanced Mm -hmm. by that kind of communication. Yeah. Because if you go like this, and they go, no, wait, to the left, hey, guess what? You just learned, like, the next part of that combination of that safe I was talking Mm -hmm. about earlier. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean what you were doing was necessarily bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. It just means that there's another way you could be doing it Mm -hmm. that's slightly better. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things I like to do myself with partners is say, you know, I love the way you've been doing this but let me show you a better way. This, if you want to see me really go over the top. (laughs) And it's amazing where when we open up ourselves and become a little bit vulnerable and share with our partners it's amazing where they can take us and where we can take them when they Share with us.
4: I, I think that um, having that kind of vulnerable openness and being able to like effectively like explain that, uh, hey, this is something I enjoy. This is part of me. I want to share that part of me with you, mm-hmm. and you can share parts of you with me mm-hmm. too. Is mm-hmm. a very healthy and functional thing. Oh, like, yeah. Um, I'd say for the very first couple of women that I had sex with, mind you, I started having sex when I was fourteen. Um, uh, the first couple of women I was having sex with, there was something that didn't quite click. Something felt uncomfortable, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And it wasn't until I had sex with a bisexual woman uh, who was very open, very honest, very straightforward about like what it was she wanted and how she wanted it, yeah. that I started realizing I could do the same thing. And because I wasn't communicating certain things, that was also how I found out that I was not only having sex wrong, but having sex wrong for me yeah Mm -hmm. the way the way i like to explain to a lot of people is that i have sex like a girl like in a very feminine, uh, female energy kind of way as opposed to like the strong masculine thrust i'm fucking it Mm -hmm. like don't (laughs) get me wrong i do that too but (laughs) there's also a lot of caressing and body bonding and melding Mm -hmm. kind of stuff that i do as well like i'm a full contact fuck you kind of person uh we're gonna be entwined um but I I was afraid to embrace those kinds of things because I was afraid to communicate those kinds of things to a partner. Yeah. you know, it wasn't until I had someone who was comfortable and open enough that I could say like, I don't really like it like this. And it was it was kind of funny that a bisexual girl was the one to call me out on it. She was like, "Well, it's because you don't want to fuck like a boy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh, that's what the problem is." Okay.
2: <laughs> and I think that's another downfall we have. We, we expect to live up to certain preconceived roles mm-hmm. and by other people's definitions of what those roles are supposed to be like male or female. Yeah. I mean, I loved it when I had a partner come up to me and say, you know, I would like to wear a strap on and be the boy for a little while. <laughs>
4: I've had several girlfriends who have boyfriend days. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Let's see where this goes, cutie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How far are we wearing it? Were you just wearing jeans today, or are we going the full shebang? <laughs> <laughs> or he bang. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so there's so many things to explore and play with in sexuality. That all we need to do is put a name to it. There is a power in naming. And when we can name it and say, I want this, that opens new doors.
4: (laughs) Well, I think that's uh, another thing that people have to do for themselves as well, is find out what it is that they want. Um, Because a lot of people don't know specifics about uh, sex, Uh, people don't know a lot of what other people can do to them you know Mm -hmm. like there's a surprising amount of women out there who don't know how to hit their own fucking g-spot like are you kidding me it's like right here (laughs) let me show you the door um but like uh men in the clitoris there's a wonderful cliche one you know like there's Mm -hmm. there's tons of those that they just that information has never come close to them and Mm -hmm. so they don't know how to ask about it they don't know how to talk about it they don't know how to approach it Uh, the best thing I could say is that, like, there's probably a billion people out there who, like, the first part of that Google sentence, how do I... And then followed by, like, Mm -hmm. how do I eat pussy? I guarantee you there's at least one tutorial online. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that'll That'll help you out the right way. Many, many. (laughs) Better than just searching online and going by their instructions. Ask your partner. Yeah. You know? If what you're trying to accomplish is, like, let's take eating pussy, for example, so you're not comfortable with cunnilingus. And... You want to be better for your partner well everyone's different and what everyone likes is different so what you look up online might not necessarily translate proper so the best thing you could do would be to ask them like Mm hey I'm gonna go down on you and we're just gonna work it out like a fucking (laughs) blueprint okay like we're gonna go you're gonna give me explicit instructions and we're gonna try and build an orgasm together how's that sound
1: (laughs)
2: And I think that's another area that we get kind of caught up to in, in our culture is setting the goal for orgasm. True. it
4: doesn't, that doesn't have like to be the end goal every time. Yeah.
2: And also this whole concept that between a man and a woman, it has to lead to intercourse. No. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are myths. I mean, you can pleasure each other mm-hmm. in so many different ways. Now, I'm not saying intercourse is bad. I love it. (laughs) But it's not the end-all and Mm be-all. You can do a wide range of things. I mean, I've done genital massage on both males and females that they had some of their best orgasms ever. And that didn't include intercourse at all. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: (laughs) It was amazing where we can take each other. If we explore and learn new techniques and learn some of the pressure points and both the cock and the pussy,
4: I've both received and given <laughs> orgasms that had no contact to <laughs> genitalia involved whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, fully clothed, you know, mm-hmm. even like some of those experiences can be the most rewarding because they are founded in mm-hmm. like pure communication. At that point, if you're wearing <laughs> clothes and you can make me come, and I'm wearing clothes and you can make me come, I'm. I'm You had to have said at least one thing right. (laughs) And then
2: we did a whole show on the non-genital orgasm, Mm -hmm. which is a technique of using breath work and internal muscles and doing... It's a different... It's an energy orgasm, but it's circulating that sexual energy through your body through breath work and tantric techniques. And then culminating in what's called the big draw and having this amazing different kind of orgasm. There are so many different types of orgasms. Oh, yeah. And so learning and exploring and communicating these things can be so amazing for especially if your love life seems to be stuck in a rut. <laughs>
4: Well, those kind of things not only for like the male perspective of achieving something other than the standard traditional boy come, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it can also be very healthy for women as well because lots of women out there have more unfortunate sexual uh, histories. Convert, like, th- 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 mm-hmm. m- most women don't get to come during sex, that's just yeah. a fact, and it's a super unfortunate fact. Yeah, I don't understand why our world works that way, but it does. Mm-hmm. Um, Fuck the patriarchy. but um, they can come during but, sex yeah but there, there, there are so many different ways that you can accomplish that if that's the goal you want to have during sex you know if you want to just have super satisfying sex that can also be achieved through the same means but it shouldn't always be the goal I mean mm-hmm. uh, it's always the goal for me just because it's the thing I like doing the most <laughs>
2: but well I think my, I've shifted in my goal I used to be kind of more orgasm focused now more pleasure-focused, giving and receiving. And when you change that focus, the orgasms still come. Mm-hmm. In fact, they come better because you get rid of all the performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about one thing or another, if I'm not doing it right. You just focus on, does this feel good, and how can I make it feel better, and talk mm-hmm. about it. And when you focus on the pleasure... It takes a lot of the work out of it.
4: Mm-hmm. See, uh, that is the method in which I prefer to achieve an orgasm. Yeah. Like Don't get me wrong. That is never actually my end goal. I would love to have one, and I would love <laughs> to at least supply. I, I don't have a bare minimum, but I, I, whenever I'm with a partner, I like to at least go for one. <laughs> yeah. If I can't do one, there's something <laughs> wrong between the two of us. Um, <laughs> but if that's not the goal necessarily, I enjoy it just as much. And it's just Mm -hmm. as wonderful of an occasion. You know, it's, it's still that kind of energy bond. It's still that kind of fun. Having sex with lesbians, for example, hardly ever during those times was my goal to have an orgasm. It was about exploring pleasure and seeing what kind of pleasures we could create together. Yeah. And I think that if more people had a focus and an emphasis on exploring those pleasures, they'd realize that an orgasm is not something hard to achieve. It's something that you can do quite easily in a a huge number of ways. There isn't just one combination. Uh, Mm -hmm. The safe might have not been the best analogy for that. But uh, that being said, I think that's because a lot of people don't realize how broad sex is. You know, they've. uh, I I think that the world only really looks at like two percent of what all sex acts and explorations you can do, and then everything else is kind of like hush, hush, we can't talk about that. I'm sorry. (laughs) What will the neighbors think if we talk about pegging? Oh,
2: that's taboo. (laughs) You want to stick what where? Oh, of course. (laughs) Give it to me, baby.
4: (laughs) When, where, and how hard? Uh (laughs) for me in specific uh it was hard at first to communicate things sexually because i was starting from such a young age and i felt there was a lot of expectations Mm. you know for how i was supposed to behave and how i was supposed to be and i felt that for a long time up until uh i got more comfortable with myself sexually and got more experience behind myself and stuff Mm -hmm. but I know that that kind of feeling is kind of universal. Everyone feels like they have to perform a certain way or be X amount of good. You know, like, no, sex varies. It's a spectrum. You know, some people are better at fucking than others. Some people bond better when they fuck. You know, it's it's not, there's no one universal answer to how to approach sex with one person.
2: The good news is, is that you can learn more and develops these skills yes. and become an exceptional lover yeah. by just studying and learning about sexuality. Absolutely. In every other human endeavor, we aren't expected to know what to do yeah. <laughs> off the <laughs> bat. We have to study it, learn it, get some demonstrations sometimes and some guidance, and all that's missing in sex. We don't get any of that. We just are thrown in the bedroom and, oh, nature will take its course. <laughs> no, it doesn't. it doesn't. work that way.
4: I think it's probably because of how much of a taboo society has put on it. Yeah. Uh, especially just not only sex itself as, like, a, a social thing, but communication about sex itself. Like, we're told that you should just be able to fuck. And that the dude's not going to be helpful at all. That's it. That's like all. That's that's all we got. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's welcome to Texas. Such education, girls. You get to learn about your own vaginas. Boys, we're just going to tell you what condoms are. That's it. <laughs> good if, luck they, fucking. if you get that match, <laughs> right? Depending on which part of the Bible Belt you're under. <laughs>
2: and that's something else I've I've always found kind of odd. Why is it these celibate priests? and nuns get to write the moral sexual codes. I mean, it's just ludicrous. They don't have any experience with sex. What are they basing all this on? To me, that's, it's such a fallacy.
0: Well,
4: especially in a, an age where we've got sexually transmitted diseases that are yeah. rampant because of lack of sex education. If we don't teach people about sex, people are going to, A, continue to have terrible sex. There's going to be, there's always going to be that terrible taboo because no one's talking about it, even though everyone kind of, we kind of need it as a a species, you know? Like, people are going to fucking do it. Well,
2: I find it interesting that in our country, since that abstinence-only sex ed kicked in, we have more... STIs being spread, more unwanted pregnancies occurring than ever before. Yeah. Because and when people get a doesn't good work
4: as an education policy, yeah. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> when you get a proper sex education and learn about birth control and condom usage, and learn about sexuality and healthy sexuality. In countries in Europe where they are teaching these things, actually the age of first intercourse is much older than in this country. There's very few unwanted pregnancies, and the STI rate is way down. So sex ed works. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And guess what else? Sex ed promotes... Communication. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's nowhere in sex ed does it say, "and don't talk to your doctor or your partner about this ever." Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's the, the opposite. <laughs> uh,
2: do discuss this. <laughs> talk to your partner. Find out what they want. I think of it this way: it's like if I want to give my partner something really hot and special and take her to new heights of ecstasy, I'm gonna ask her what what gets you there. How can I do this? Mm -hmm. Tell me. (laughs) And she may not know, Mm -hmm. or he may not know. And I'll say, well, let's explore some things. And I'll pull out my massage oils and give them a full body massage and explore those erogenous zones and start working the whole body into sexuality, not just the genitals. Mm
4: -hmm. So I have very often been the role of, a couple of people's first exposure to BDSM, mm-hmm. um, either through dating me or just being somewhere where I am. <laughs> the way I normally approach it is I have this very large red suitcase that has all of my toys. Uh, and it's not just toys. It's also, like, uh, there's uh, a couple of my corsets in there and stuff. There's Damn. a bunch of random... It's just <laughs> it's my big red suitcase. It's got my whatnots in it. I... Explain to my partner all the things I'm into, you know, and they uh, we find common ground, or maybe we don't during that one moment, but whenever the box comes open, I have them do yes and no through everything in the box. Uh-huh. Like, I pull out the different kinds of rope, like, okay, feel this. How does this feel? Would you like to be tied up with that? Yes. Okay, cool. That goes on the yes side. What about this one? No, that one's too hard. Okay, that goes on the no side. <laughs> like, pull out each of the toys. This is what it's going to feel like if I hit you with it, or this is what it sounds like, you know, which is that a yes or a no. Same thing. Every mm-hmm. single step of the way so that we can find what I get to play with and what I get to use. I might not get to all of it that night, but I like showing them the options. Like, yeah. hey, these are things you can explore. These are things you can do with me. What sounds fun?
2: And that helps build consent.
4: Oh, yeah. No, because after I go through that rundown and we like look at every single thing and how it works, the very last question is, okay, what's first? <laughs> and they go, oh, this one. Yeah. You know, they go straight for the one they want the most. I'm like, all right, cool. We're yeah. going to do that last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that's the way you can have those kinds of communications is by laying it all out there and yeah. just going, here's what I have to offer. What are you taking in? What do you want? From what part of it? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you get all kinds of good responses. Like I had a girl who I had no idea. I never would have guessed that she was into edge play. Like yeah. that, was, I just didn't. She didn't seem like the type. But when we were going through my box, I had a deer skinning knife yeah. uh, that uh, I had dulled i just wanted it for its edge and i just wanted it for its shape because it holds in the hand really well Mm -hmm. and she was like what's that for and i said edge play and she's like what's edge play and i explained you know dragging knives across skin it's all about the point the sharp all that jazz you know that's a sensation play Mm form. and she lit up she was like that sounds really (laughs) i was like what she's like i've always had this fantasy of like a boyfriend with a knife and i'm like yeah and she's like, "Yeah, could you like with a knife, like, uh, like drag it on my skin and like fuck can and do that?" I was like, "Yes, that's perfect. This is why we break out the box." <laughs> like She had no idea she was in an itch play, and then as soon as I explained it to her, she's like, "That is the name for the thing I like. That is it right there. Good job, you found it."
2: <laughs> so it's amazing where you can discover about yourself or another person and really explore these things.
4: And that came from being able to share. You know, yeah. that's another part important part of communication is don't ever be afraid to share. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you know?
2: exactly. Well, we're to the top of the hour <laughs> before these shows go by fast, don't mm-hmm. they? <laughs> we get into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any last comments or anything y'all want to add to sexual communications?
4: <laughs> I, I'd say if you're having troubles communicating with your partner, if you want to have a better experience with them. One of my favorite little bits of advice is anytime you want to ask someone anything, the worst they can say is no. Which isn't true, because I asked a girl if she wanted to sleep with me once. She said, no, you're fucking stupid. So I think that might be slightly worse. (laughs) But (laughs) 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 Don't ever be afraid, though. Don't ever be afraid to go to your partner and ask and just have that communication. Because how would you feel if they were uncomfortable coming to you? You know, consider that. Mm -hmm. If you want them to be open and honest with you, you have to be open and honest with them. Mm -hmm. Sex and communication, they're both two-way streets. And if you're both driving on the same side of the road, you're going to hit each other. So (laughs) being able to go, hey, why don't we do this and drive on either side of the road and talk about each other? Then guess what? There won't be any collision. There won't be any problem. You'll be able to effectively communicate with each other. You'll be able to get the things you want in bed. You just got to be open about it.
2: And I think the recipe for bad sex is not communicating.
4: Absolutely.
2: It's just plundering in and. Both dead silent. <laughs> <laughs> that really makes for a disaster.
3: One of the things I would suggest is as you are thinking about things that you might want to communicate with your partner or even with a friend, with you know, anyone, and it can be sexual or non-sexual. I kind of like to think about being on the other side of that question, you know, like if your partner came up to you and asked or said the thing that you're about to communicate to them, think about how you would react to it and how you would handle being either given that information or being asked that same question. And I think that this is a good thing to do because it readies you for the kind of response that you might get. And it might give you a little bit more insight into... It may change the way that you go about asking about something or talking about something. So I think that's a good thing to do.
2: I think another part of communications is, and this kind of comes from some coming out advice, you don't want to come out from a space if you're in the closet. You don't want to come out shameful and apologetic or feeling like I've got this dirty little secret I have to share with you. You want to come out in a state of being proud and being authentic and who and what you are. And I think with sexual communications, the same applies. Mm -hmm. Communicate from a place of confidence and from a place of authenticity and Mm -hmm. from a place of being a sexual being. We are wired for it, baby. Our bodies are... (laughs) There are so many things that at one time I thought, oh, this is kind of unusual. I don't think anybody's ever thought of this or <laughs> tried this. <laughs> it's like, no. There,
3: N- there's if nothing it's sexual, more it's sun. been done.
4: <laughs> there's at least a book about it. <laughs> and
2: one of the things that I picked up on some good advice, and this actually comes from the Kinsey report, assume that The person you're talking to is into everything sexual. It's probably true that at least they have one form of kink or another. Oh, yeah. Or something that's a little outside the box that they enjoy sexually. So don't assume that your partner's going to be shocked or kind of dismayed. Assume that, hey, they have sexual desires, too. And we're probably into just about anything and everything or have the potential to be.
4: (laughs) I think keeping an open mind about what you like and what your partner can like can be a very healthy thing.
2: Mm -hmm. I think the other side of all this is that the rewards for good communications and asking is that you open the door to pleasures and Experiences you never dreamed were possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, it's like, I've been to the moon and back. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's amazing. So with that, have an awesome night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Explore your body. Listen to your body. What does your body crave? And think about that. Figure it out. It's all in there. Your body knows what it wants, even if you don't yet. And explore and experiment a little bit. And with that, have a good night.
3: Good night. Bonne-wee.
2: I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to to an adequate sexual education, and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.
0: For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult size blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini size blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world.